and welcome to Bizarre Conspiracies. My name is Eric Patino, and with me as always is... Conrad Toll. Today, we are talking about kind of politics, kind of, a little bit, and some things Bill Gates said. So why don't we kick it off with, I think the Civil War is a good place to start. Now, I recently heard Bill Gates say he thinks a Civil War is going to happen, and this is a direct quote here. He said, I admit that political polarization may bring it all to an end. We're going to have a hung election and a civil war. End quote. So, what does he mean by hung election? You know, I was actually searching, Google searching hung election terms. Couldn't really find anything except for like a hung parliament <laughs> term, which apparently means that uh, no members of the either political party would win. So I'm assuming that would be the same thing he means here. You mean a electoral tie? Because there is this thing where it is possible where both political parties could, on election day, have equal numbers of electoral votes from the electoral college and have a tie. And in the case of a tie, mm. it then goes to the House of Representatives, I believe. Right. And in the House of I don't remember if it goes to the House or if it goes to the Senate, but I think it's the House. And then the House, it's the House. All folks there then vote on who's going to be president next. Yeah. So you need 270 electoral votes to win, right? That is the the threshold you need to get. So up to. if you had 269, right. then that would be a tie. Because but what if neither are... come close to that? <laughs> like a three-way, that's the only way that it could happen where neither side comes close is mm -hmm. if there's a third-party candidate. And in the case of a third-party candidate, they would just have a rerun, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Well, I looked it up and it said if no candidate receives 270 votes, the House of Representatives will pick the president. So each state delegation gets one vote, regardless of the number of congressional districts it has. 26 votes representing a majority of the states are required to win. So yeah, like you were saying, if, if no one meets the votes or if they tie, then it goes to the House of Representatives. And then from there, each state gets a vote. Mm -hmm. And then we get our next president. I'm assuming that that's be... what the hung election means, because Bill Gates did not I, say what he meant by I don't think that's what this. he means by it. What do I you think, think he meant by this? As opposed to that, I think he thinks a little more closely... To what happened last time in 2020 at the end of the day there was no declared president at that time it wasn't until later the next day when they finished counting in all the mailed in ballots that they declared biden president and then there was all the accusations of fraud and mm. voter rigging and then it went to the courts and the courts went through and looked at all the allegations of voter fraud and then they decided that the votes were legitimate and then they announced biden president what i think he means by hung election is that but worse but worse where, yeah if uh, it happened at the end of somebody's term where so let's say biden wins 2024 then in 2028, then he's run out of term limits. And so it's an open office. And then you have two parties running for an empty office. If there was a tie mm -hmm. then, then it's more contentious. Kind of like in 2000, back in 2000 between Bush and Al Gore. And there was the whole thing with Florida, I believe it was, being a toss-up state. And 
it was it was first declared for Al Gore, and then later, as more votes came in, it switched to being for Bush. And there was a huge contention over that. I believe that that is more of what it's going to be. It's because in those times where you're running for an open office, there's more contention than if it's for a held office. So mm. I think it just be a high politically charged election, which they're all getting to be politically charged, which is what Bill Gates was talking about, being the political division. Nobody can agree on who's president, not by not enough votes, but by contesting of which votes are actually true and accurate. Mm, okay. Well, the next thing he said after a hung election was a civil war, right? Mm -hmm. So I think most people would assume that a civil war is probably going to happen fairly soon. I read this article by The Guardian. I'll have a link for it if anyone wants to read it. I'm going to read a few things from it. I'm not going to read all of it because it's really long. The title of it is The Next U.S. Civil War is Already Here. We just refuse to see it. On the eve of the first civil war, the most intelligent, most informed, and the most dedicated people in the United States could not see it coming. Even when the Confederate soldiers began their bombardment of Fort Sumter, nobody believed that the conflict was uh, inevitable. The North was so unprepared for the war, they had no weapons. The U.S. today, once again, headed for a civil war, and once again, it cannot bear to face it. The political problems are both structural and immediate. The crisis, both long-lasting and accelerating. There are mm. some people who did foresee the first civil war, and those were all military officers in the army. When the declarations of secession came, there was a lot of guys who were sitting around in the West Point, mm -hmm. and they are all looking at each other, and they all knew what was going to happen. There was this weird tension there where they're all like, tomorrow, my classmate is going to be my enemy. We are all going to go home to where we came from, and we are all going to fight each other. And so there was this weird tension in the air where friends were understanding that soon they will be enemies. Yeah, that would so be pretty West, weird tension. So in West Point, they knew that there was a war coming. I think this just means the, the majority of Americans at the time. It goes on to say, The American political system has become so overwhelmed by anger that even the most basic tasks of government are increasingly impossible. The legal system grows less legitimate by the day. How true is that? Trust in government at all levels is in freefall, or like Congress, with approval ratings hovering around 20%. Cannot fall any lower. Right now, elected sheriffs openly promote resistance to federal authority. Right now, militias train and arm themselves in preparation for the fall of the republic. Right now, doctrines of a radical, unachievable, messianic freedom spreads across the internet on talk radio, television, podcasts, etc. Two things are happening at the same time. Most of the American right have abandoned faith in government as such. Their politics is increasingly the politics of the gun. The American left is slower on the uptake, but they are starting to figure out that the system, which gave them the name of democracy, is less deserving of that name every year. 
There's a lot of things I agree with in this article. And like I said, I will link the article down below if you guys want to read it. How likely do you think that the Civil War is actually going to kick off like relatively soon in terms of what Bill Gates said? In terms of open conflict where there's armies fighting against each other, I would say 0.002%. Wow, that low? Yeah, uh, next to impossible. I don't think there'll be an armed conflict. I think if there is any division, it'll look a lot like Brexit. A transition where there's not any shooting or anything like that, but you'll have a vote and like a secession previously there was before the Civil War, but this time there won't be a Fort Summoner. There won't be any exchanges of firing or anything like that. What you'll have is just like Brexit, one group will be extremely active in their scorning of the the side that is trying to exit, and the group that is exiting will be very lousy at putting together any political framework for doing so, and it'll be kind Mm -hmm. of a a train wreck where there's like a deadline that the things are supposed to get done by trading rules and treaties and all this stuff is supposed to be drawn up and nothing gets done. And then the deadline comes and there's no more extensions. And then after that, there's a separation and then people don't know what is going to happen. And then the scorning side, they're going to be deliberately trying to trying to make the process more difficult than it actually is. Mm-hmm. So what you're going to have is just a, a very politically and economically catastrophic event. And then after there's division, there's just going to be a massive amount of that economic crisis that we're seeing going on in England right now. Mm, yeah. So that's what I think would happen. I don't think there's actually going to be any Not actual... Not a literal civil, civil war. war. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. So a lot of people, when they talk about secession and that sort of thing, they're all like, oh my gosh, can't you imagine fighting? Oh no, this would be terrible. It'd just be a very overall uneventful and quiet compared to the first secession from the uh, Union. Mm. And what I'm guessing is what would happen is that there would be a particular state, uh, probably Texas, (laughs) (laughs) that would secede first and would be most outwardly expressive of, of leaving and then the other states we'd be following there would be kind of this hesitation and they would be like well we want to succeed but let's see if we can do so in like a half-hearted measure and then there will be kind of a an unusual separation where there would be a partial separation with a group of states some states outright leaving and then some states remaining in the union so i think there'd be about 50 percent staying in the union one to two maybe three states leaving on their own Mm -hmm. and then uh, about four or five states in one group and then maybe one or two states in their own other group it'd just be this unusual sort of collapse and splitting of going different ways and it would be poorly mismanaged and um at the end of it people would be having to suffer a large economic price for it Mm. well there is talks of uh texas republicans wanting to vote for texas independence and secede from the union which let's be honest that's like what every couple of years in texas yeah i think that's been going on since at least 2004 probably beforehand i just don't remember any time back before that um you were too young conrad but but you know virginia was the first state to secede from the union in the civil war and it had been talking about seceding from the union all the way up since the adoption of the constitution 
when the Constitution was being written up, Virginia was threatening that if they didn't like it, they would secede from the Union at that time. Mm -hmm. And they were threatening secession from the Union about every eight years after that. Do you think one day Texas will actually do it? Probably. Though I don't know if it's as recent as what Bill Gates is saying. Because here's the thing. The difference between today and the Civil War is, I believe that our politicians are about eight times less competent. Mm -hmm. So, for the most part, I don't believe that there are a lot of politicians that are currently in office that would actually do that. They're all about enforcing the status quo, and I don't think that yeah, that's true. actually seceding would be part of it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like... If you look at the abortion laws that just were uh, repealing of Roe v. Wade, there's a lot of Republicans that after they were all about pro-life, right? Right. And they were making all of these laws about when Roe versus Wade gets repealed, what we're going to do is we're going to ban abortion in this state. And they did a bunch of grandstanding because they believed that that would never actually come about. So they did a bunch of talking and then... As soon as Roe v. Wade got overturned, they were like, what happened was there was this thing and I didn't realize and then I didn't understand exactly what was going on. And then this recently came to light. And here's the thing is, I don't actually know if I stand for that position, which I was originally standing for. And there's been a whole lot of that mm. because they were grandstanding, believing that the Roe v. Wade argument would be going on forever in a day. Mm. And then it actually came about and they didn't actually think anything was going to happen. And they were just there enforcing the status quo and grandstanding. So I think the same thing is happening now is there's a bunch of politicians who don't actually think anything will ever change. Republicans have been one party and the Democrats have been the other party since the Civil War. They've been going back and forth, having the same talking points, having the same arguments for years and years and years. And nothing's ever switched. And they don't really care. Most of the politicians don't care about any of the hot button issues. Mm. They just all fall in line with what they believe. Here's a crazy, crazy thing. When was the last time you met somebody who believed entirely with one party's politics? Where they were like, you know what? This I'm slightly different from, you know, the Republicans. They didn't have at least one thing that they varied on. It's kind of hard in San Antonio. <laughs> I haven't met anyone like that. Well, I don't think there are a lot of people like that. I think that most people are generally varied and have different beliefs that go all across the spectrum. So what happens is these Republicans, when they're actually saying that they have a particular belief of that sort of thing, they're they're not even being honest. They're just saying what they believe will get them elected. They're following the party dogma. Right. So my point is, I think they're all unprincipled and just lying to us. So to bring this back to the whole seceding from the union, I don't believe that there's a lot of politicians who actually carry through with any of their promises and actually want to secede from the union. They want to continue the status quo, get their paychecks, have their political power, only run for office as every two years or whatnot, then the rest of the time play buddy-buddy, get along with everybody, push the debt down the road, and continue the status quo. So it's very unusual when somebody comes along and upsets the status quo, and then they do stuff that they weren't even expecting that they would actually ever do. Right. So I believe that, you know, Donald Trump being a weird wild card, went in, <laughs> appointed justices who didn't support the status quo, didn't continue things long, and now it's up shaking the system. 
whether or not that's a good thing or not, I'm not making a comment on that, but what I'm saying is, if there is going to be a actual secession from the union, it's going to come when a bunch of crazy, well, what was considered crazy, <laughs> By the status quo folks, by the establishment, Republicans and Democrats come to office and they actually start trying to make changes to the status quo. And then other people who are not in support of the status quo go and secede from the union because they don't like what the other people are doing who are changing the status quo. So there'll be one side that has outliers who are changing it. And then the other side will have outliers who are seceding. I think we need to have more Donald Trump like politicians yeah i do believe we need people who are not supporting the status quo aren't bought and paid for yeah. yeah now i don't necessarily agree with donald trump he's a bit of an unusual fella he's out there <laughs> let's get back to bill gates for a little bit because i did mention yeah. one thing and you said you had a couple of theories on it and i told you bill gates is quickly becoming second Over largest of yeah of farmland and That's just, one, insane. To me, it's, he does things for a reason. What reason could he need so much farmland? Well, what he clearly is looking for in the future is that farmland will become a high value. So, in the case of there being a splitting of the union, there is one thing that will have to be traded across country lines. He's in the Microsoft business, right? What he sells mm-hmm. is intellectual properties, pretty much. Right. For the most part, he is not selling computers. He's selling the software on computers. Right. Well, those are the sort of things that a breakup of state lines and country lines can totally disrupt. If for whatever reason, one of these new groups will not use Microsoft or will not honor another country's intellectual license or has a breakup of license of some sort, or they say you can't have a monopoly and they enforce certain rules that declare Microsoft some sort of a intellectual monopoly, then he might be banned from that particular country. However, here's the thing. Food comes from farmlands and that sort of thing will always have to go across state lines. Mm. Everyone's got to have food. So we might be able to do without intellectual property. There might be somebody who decides, well, you know, we're not going to use Microsoft at all. We're going to immediately launch into a open source only technology, which would be unusual, but it could happen. Then Bill Gates would be in a lot of trouble there. But (laughs) if he has all the farmland, that's one thing that you can't just say, well, we need this to come from somewhere else. Because if you are getting open source intellectual property from somewhere else that could be easily shipped Mm -hmm. you know you could get that anywhere it's not location specific farmland is so if he buys all the farmland it doesn't matter which group secedes it doesn't matter where they are he's got something that is location specific there's no laws that are going to change that are going to make him give up well that's true you know, his monopoly on farmland if he's got a farming monopoly he's got a serious advantage this article says he is the biggest farmland owner in the united states with a total of 242,000 acres across 18 states Bill Gates won the rights to buy North Dakota land for 13 million. Yeah, he's up to something here. But why does he need it? Why does he need it? He's already in the pharmaceutical game. Doesn't matter what happens if a civil war breaks out and 
He's still going to make a killing off pharmaceuticals. Yeah, whatever the case is, I do not like the fact of him buying farmland. Because, I mean, the pharmaceutical industries are well known for being ripoffs, mm-hmm. selling stuff for ridiculous prices. You got the insurance companies. Here's the funny thing about insurance companies. It is more expensive for an insurance company to buy a drug than it is for you to go to a company and buy that out of pocket. So what you'll pay out of pocket for might be 20 bucks. If a insurance company goes and buys those for you, it'll be $60. Hmm. Because the same group that owns the pharmacy, when they sell that to the insurance company and they get a larger profit for the insurance company, you don't have to pay for it directly. You don't see the high price. So you're more willing to pay the high price if it's the insurance that's paying for it. But the funny thing is, the people who own the insurance companies and own the pharmaceutical companies are one and the same. So Bill Gates gets double mm-hmm. dipping there. He gets, wow. so he takes money in the premiums, the insurance premiums and the high insurance costs. And then he later pays a high price to justify the high premiums. So let's apply that. Let's say that goes into the food industry because he buys up all the farms. You can see that becoming a huge issue if you're paying more than three times the amount for food. Oh boy, I don't like that at all. Yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on how this story progresses and what he actually has planned for all this farmland. That's that's insane. I have a prediction for uh, the 22 election. Right now, just looking at it, previously this year, they were predicting a huge loss for the Democrats coming out of all the issues that were going on with pandemic. And ever since Biden took over, things have not been doing well for the Democrats. And Joe Biden hasn't been highly popular. So the the Democrats were looking very poor going into 2022. Mm-hmm. But now, I think it was in May or in June, things started turning around for them. And there was a few different reasons for that. Um, and I think it's because the focus shifted away from the economy and people started looking more at things like, well, there was Roe v. Wade. Joe Biden started talking a lot about student loan debt uh, forgiveness. Yeah, that was a big one. There was a few other things, but overall it started to shift back that didn't look so bad for the Democrats. But now it's starting to get even worse for the Democrats than it was earlier this year because things are now shifting back to the economy now since the recession is getting worse. So my prediction is that the Democrats will probably lose because right now I believe they have a majority in the House. Yeah, they got a small majority in the House and they have a 50-50 in the Senate. But I do believe that the um, Republicans are still hold the majority in the Senate because they previously had the majority and then when it went down to a tie, they retain the majority in the Senate. It's not, so the person, in order to take over the Senate, you have to have the the majority at that point. Mm -hmm. So I believe that the final um, count is going to be 51 in the uh, the Republicans having the Senate and uh, 49 for the Democrats. So I think it's going to be a net change of one. <laughs> but I think it's going to be that the Republicans are going to lose one seat that they have and the, the Republicans are going to lose two of the current ones they have, but the Democrats are going to lose three. So there's going to be a great swap, but it's going to be a net gain for the Republicans. Mm. So my prediction, Georgia is going to go Democrat between uh, Walker, Herschel Walker and Warnick. New Hampshire is going to go Democrat. And 
I think Pennsylvania is going to go Democrat. But Arizona, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Nevada, and Wisconsin, those swing states are going to go uh, Republican. Mm. And as for the House, I don't think the Democrats are going to lose as bad as was predicted. I think they're only going to lose 17 to 12 seats that they currently, which is they're going to lose a house, but it's only going to be by a small majority. You're looking a small game. Right now, I think the the popular prediction is going to be a 24 seat swap, but I, I think it's probably going to be a lot smaller with only 12. Mm. But regardless, I think it only takes six swaps for the majority to swing to the Republicans. So I think the biggest loss is going to be in the Senate for the Democrats, even though the House is going to be, because by percentage, the loss is going to be larger in the Senate. But since you're crossing the threshold of the majority in the House, even though the percentage of changes is going to be smaller in the House, I think the House is going to be more significant because they're going to lose control of the House, which is, that's a a big deal. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think the the two most commonly talked about publicized Senate races, which is Georgia and Pennsylvania, it's Dr. Oz and Herschel Walker running as Republicans against Warnick and Fetterman uh, running as Democrats. I think the Democrats are going to win the more highly publicized races. But I have a prediction, another prediction for uh, this year, and that's mm-hmm. the war in Ukraine. I think that the uh, Ukrainians are going to take over all of Kherson this year. And I think that they're going to take over a significant portion of, I think it's Luhansk. And they're going to take Severodonetsk is the name of a, a central hub they have there, that mm. the Russians have. And they're going to cut supplies there. But I think that's about all they're going to take this year. Though I think they're going to try to take over parts of Zaprizia, which... Just recently, they blew up a bridge that connected Crimea to the mainland of Russia. So now the only rail line that is left connecting Crimea to Russia is through the land bridge going through Zaporizhia, which I think is the Ukrainians are probably going to make an attack over there. But I really don't think they're going to be able to successfully take the railroad going through Zaporizhia. That's my prediction there. But I do have one more prediction. The economic, uh, I guess, crisis that's going on. I think that it is definitely going to get a whole lot worse than it is right now. With Mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia reducing oil, I think uh, Saudi Arabia is reducing their oil flow, not because they really want to, but because they've reached peak. Which what that means is they've used up all the oil that they can easily get to. So they're going to have, not that they're saying they're going to run out of oil. It's just for the next... 40, 50 years as they continue to draw down on the reserves under the they pump, it's going to be harder and harder to get the oil because that's what peak means. When you've peaked and reached the uh, highest production from now on as they get down to emptying out their reserves and completely running out of oil, which will be way in the future, they can't produce as much. So when they are drawing down the number of barrels produced from 10 million a day down to 8 million a day. I think that mm-hmm. is partially done just because they really can't maintain 10 million barrels per day. So Saudi Arabia is losing capacity to produce oil. So that coming now at the end of the pandemic and with the sanctions on Russia and the war there, energy supply is going to be very hard in the future. And that's going to make 
this recession, which was caused because of shutting down the country's entire production during COVID, and then the mass printing of money causing inflation. Right. Um, this is going to be exacerbated by the fact that I don't think that Saudi Arabia will ever produce 10 million barrels of oil again. So I think this is something you're going to be seeing a lot more in the future is Saudi Arabia cutting oil production and saying, yeah, we're doing this because of this reason or that reason. I think that will conclude today's episode. Do you have any final conclusions today, Conrad? Well, I would like to hear other people's predictions because I've been pretty candid with my predictions. So, uh, I mean, the worst thing that you can do is not make predictions because being wrong with a prediction is not the same thing as being wrong with prophecy. I'm not saying that I'm hearing it from God or anything. So when you make predictions, then you're able to measure and then get better at your predictions later on. So... I want to hear other people's predictions. That will do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to Bizarre Conspiracies. If you want to email me or Conrad, you can do so at bizarreconspiracies at gmail.com. That's one word, bizarreconspiracies at gmail.com. But anyways, thank you so much for listening. And as always, we will catch you in the next episode. (laughs) 